Yes, I that's not, that's not evil. Being hostile to all mankind and subversive is not evil. One big gay disco. Well, I have to say that because St. Paul said the Jews are enemies of the entire human race. They are. What do you think of Jordan Peterson? Uh, did you see the video about where he said I can't do it? Adam, I'm trying to do you a favor. You're fighting for the gay disco. Don't make your ignorance normative for the rest of us. Don't, don't use those kinds of slurs. You're fighting for the gay disco. What, are there are no slurs here. Die for the gay disco. This is an uprising against smug elites. Smug elites. So they're the villains. And the opposite is Definitely our most requested guest, uh, Dr. E. Michael Jones, a man who needs no introduction. I mean, it is. That, that's what they that's what they pay the Rockefeller Foundation to do. Uh, you're not supposed to know what I just told you. They didn't know about this. They didn't know what we know now. I mean, is there any argument you can use to wake them up? Yeah, I think uh, God had a plan for your life. Well, you'd be jerking off to every curvy piece of driftwood you saw at the beach. Fight the people who don't like disco. Maybe you would. And you're consistently refusing to talk about pornography. Uh, Pete Buttigieg yeah. seems to be the exhibit A of that process. Yes, yes. Because you think that the anus is a sex organ, don't you, Pete? Uh, Richard Spencer hands out spears and he says, charge the machine gun nest. Dr. Jones. Sorry. <laughs> Not all of the heads of the Federal Reserve were Jews, but after a certain period of time, uh, that seemed to be the case. Hello and welcome to another episode of EMJ Live, late summer, beautiful day in South Bend, Indiana. Uh, we're here to uh, talk about uh, the further unraveling of the Holocaust narrative. The book is uh, an enormous success. Uh, we are working around the clock to fulfill the orders we've gotten and may have to order a second printing soon. So I ask everyone to be patient. Uh, we'll get the books. The books are going out as fast as we can get them out. Uh, I had an inf interesting conversation with Stu Peters yesterday, first time I've talked to him, uh, about this uh, whole topic, the same topic, which is in itself significant because this is a, an important topic that people are now talking about uh, publicly, people who weren't involved in this before. The ADL has opened the store to an enormous amount of reaction. They brought about the exact opposite of what they intended. Uh, people like Tom Woods are now, uh, got uh, Paul Gottfried on uh, complaining about the ADL, claim, claiming he's opposed the ADL ever since uh, the 1960s when he first made contact with them. Uh, Paul Gottfried, uh, a, a Jew uh, himself, uh, met him through the Rockford Institute, the man mainly responsible for me writing The Jewish Revolutionary Spirit. Uh, everyone's talking about it, and Stu Peters is no uh, exception. He came, uh, began the conversation by talking about uh, that infamous moment uh, during the Canadian trucker strike when Yara Sachs, the uh, Canadian member of parliament, said that Hong Kong equals Heil Hitler. Now, this is important uh, because there's a lot of sense out there is... Uh, when the ADL goes after you, well, you've got no one to blame but yourself. You shouldn't have talked about the Jews. You know they're going to react, you know, so don't antagonize them. You deserve everything you get because you're too stupid to know that fundamental rule of American discourse. 
Well, if anything, the Canadian example disproves that. These were people who had the farthest thing from their mind was talking about Jews. They were upset because their truckers and because the COVID restrictions were trying, making it impossible for them to earn a living. And that's part of what the government is there to do, to help you earn a living, to facilitate your ability to earn a living. And so they got in their trucks and drove all the way across Canada, ended up in Ottawa. And the Trudeau government was then faced with a, an uprising, uh, uh, an embarrassing uprising. And uh, how do we deal with it? Well, we told you how they dealt with it because you've already heard the story about Yara Sachs saying Hong Kong equals Heil Hitler. But that's, I just got another book here, uh, linked to a book called The Hategate Affair. Uh, two authors, Karima Saad and Elisa Hardigan, uh, both uh, who uh, Canadians, uh, who gave new insight into that whole, how that whole Hong Kong equals Heil Hitler uh, narrative came into being. It turns out that it was uh, a, an NGO led by a man by the name of Bernie Farber. Bernie Farber, Canadian Jew, who got started uh, promoting something called the Canadian Jewish Congress, uh, obviously an imitation of the American Jewish Congress, went nowhere, uh, led to nothing. And so he saw another moment of opportunity in 2000. 18, where he created a group called the Canadians Against Hate Network. This is an NGO. It's a classic front operation, okay, where you're supposed to, you're given the impression there's some type of broad grassroots support for something that's obviously wrong, like hate. And uh, we know that that's not, not the case, okay? Uh, it turns out that he was responsible for this whole narrative uh, because uh, he had a friend, uh, the, the authors don't go into greater detail, uh, who went to the, um, to the Ottawa trucker factory and they were the ones who found a flyer there. The flyer, uh, turns out, was... Uh, explaining how the Jews control the media in America and so on and so forth, all of which is true. Uh, but it turns out that this was not something that the truckers had come up with. The flyer came from Florida. Now, they don't say this, but I'm going to make a wild guess here. And I think it's the flyer that the Goyim Defense League put out uh, around that time, uh, which is what led to the hate speech laws in Florida. I think that's the flyer that we're talking about. Correct me if I'm wrong. But what this did was it gave a sense of, it opened the door for uh, Yara Sachs to add, and the government more importantly, to employ the Holocaust narrative. This is an instance where it wasn't even remotely anything they said. They had to fabricate this Barney, Bernie Farber the head of this uh, front group called Canadians Against Hate on the Internet, basically proves this thing uh, out of thin air, uh, circulates it with the name of his NGO behind it, and suddenly we have uh, a Nazi uprising and we have the excuse then for the Canadian government to completely abrogate the rule of law in Canada. Uh, in a, a, a ruthless, draconian way, which included uh, basically freezing bank accounts. Unheard of tyranny. The, no one, Stalin wouldn't freeze your bank account. But the Canadians now do this on a regular basis to anyone that they dislike. Uh, and that's what happened to a lot of the truckers. The lady who was in charge of it was arrested uh, on a bogus kind of insurrection charge. I don't know how that came out. Someone told me that I got a, a letter uh, after a while. I wrote an article on this in Culture Wars, and in response to it, one, some can, one of my Canadian correspondents said that the government backed down completely. Well, whether they did or they didn't, if they did, I'm glad to hear it. Uh, if they didn't, it's a sign that uh, this is what they have in store for you if you, uh, if you do something they don't like. So what the, what the authors then uh, go on to document after uh, explaining this fact is basically Bernie Farber controls law enforcement in Canada. 
Uh, he controls the press in Canada. And she goes into great detail about how when the young reporter shows up, if it's anything to do with race or anti-Semitism, the go-to guy is Bernie Farber. And you as a young reporter have to quote him and give him a platform for his ideas. This is total Jewish control over the media, total Jewish control, therefore, over law enforcement, because law enforcement now is a function of uh, any media lynch mob that can be orchestrated against a particular person. We are now watching something similar, a lynch mob uh, against Russell Brand. Uh, an actor, I don't know what he did. He did something that they don't like. And now there's all these women coming forward who's saying that he raped them. He's claiming that he didn't. Uh, but in this, uh, in this atmosphere, you're guilty until proven innocence, which is the exact opposite of the rule of law where you're innocent until proven guilty. And as an example of that, I believe it was Google uh, canceled his, uh, no, YouTube. YouTube canceled his account. So here we are back in the same story. Here's a, a small minority group of people. I don't even think he said anything about the Jews. Now it's way beyond that. If you say anything that some powerful entity doesn't like, no matter how bogus your NGO is, and they go into detail about that, uh, you are guilty until proven innocent. And that means that uh, powerful actors like YouTube, will cancel you and deprive you of earning a livelihood through on their platform. This is the ruthless type uh, nature of the, the, the totalitarianism that we are all faced with, some to a large, to a greater extent, especially if you live in Canada or Germany, some to a lesser extent. But that's the plan. That's the plan across the board. And that's precisely what this confrontation is about. Okay, Canada has a history of caving in in this regard. Uh, there, I've told the story before of uh, Henry Morgan, Morgan, Morgenthaler, the Jew who was responsible for the decriminalization of abortion in Canada. You can watch a YouTube video of him debating Bernard Nathanson, who at that point, the Jew who brought a abortion to America, had repented at that point. Uh, he may have become a Catholic at that point, but he eventually became a Catholic. So what, what am I talking about here? I'm talking about the fact that whenever the cop, now I, I wasn't there, um, this is a, 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 an illustration uh, of what I'm trying to talk about. The cop shows up and Morgenthal, all Morgenthaler has to do is roll up his sleeve and there's the tattoo. There's the Auschwitz tattoo and that means, hey, no prosecution and he's above the law. This is the guarantor of Jewish privilege. The Holocaust narrative guarantees Jewish privilege. That is why the Holocaust narrative is important. That's why we have to identify the people who are involved here. And that, unfortunately, is not the case with this book, an otherwise good book. Great reporting, but, you know, problem with journalism is oftentimes you can't see the forest for the trees. And there are too many trees in this book and not enough forest. And the main category missing is the, the Jew. I mean, we okay, you told us Bernie Farber created the Canadian Jewish Committee. You told us this type of stuff. It's obvious who he is. It's obvious what he represents. But you're not permitting us to connect the dots. And in order to do, we have to connect the dots if we want to be successful at this crucial moment in world history. I'm saying it's world history now because we're living in a world empire. Uh, this is the crucial moment. The question is whose rules are going to prevail? Is it the rules of the United States of America or is it the unspoken rules of basically the ADL, the rules that they never tell you about? The rules you don't even know, you, you're, you broke. And that's precisely the case with those poor Canadian truckers. They thought they were talking about COVID and uh, uh, regulations getting into the United States. And it turns out they were Nazis and they didn't even know it. And you can be a Nazi and not even know it because if someone like Yara Sachs or Bernie Farber uh, pr produces a flyer and says you were within 10 feet of this flyer, you're guilty. This is Jewish vengeance. Jew, the Jews were always felt that you could be guilty by proximity. The Germans call it Kontaktschuld, 
We call it guilt by association. And the Pharisees tried to pull this on Jesus all the time. All the time, Jesus sat down and ate with tax collectors and prostitutes, and the Jews said, you're unclean. They are telling the Son of God that he is unclean because of contactuals, because of guilt by association. That is not the religion of Jesus Christ. That is not that religion. This is a religion that is imposed on us, whether we like it or not, because these people rule the world. They rule our world anyway. Why is that important? Because if you don't connect the dots, you're not going to see where this leads. And where it leads is uh, what we found out in another book I just got, book by Bob St. Genis, uh, about the Catholic Church, Judaism, and the Old Covenant, uh, a book that we had something, we at Culture Wars had something to do with because we uh, published this article uh, basically calling out the 2006 Catechism of the United States bishops, saying that it had a heretical statement in it when they claimed that the Mosaic Covenant was eternally valid. Bob wrote the article. They pretended to ignore it. The bureaucrats in the church, the USCC, pretended to ignore it, but it finally got to the bishops. The bishops of the United States said, St. Genesis is right. This is a heretical statement. Please remove this statement. Now, that safeguards the magisterium. That is a, 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 this shows you that there are still people in the church who know what is dogma and what is not, and they are willing to stand up for it, which is the role of the bishops. So congratulations to the American bishops and their overwhelming response. Now, let me take it all back by saying part of what it means to be a bishop is to be an executor, which means you have to make sure that people carry out your the rules, uh, the, your orders, and that is precisely where this whole thing fell apart. The bureaucrats did not follow through. They hemmed and hawed. They let the old catechism, hundreds of thousands of copies of that catechism with the uh, heretical statement uh, in it were circulating. And then finally, 10 years later, they came up with a quote from St. Paul that was completely ambiguous and confusing. You can read the details in my review of the, of the book, which will be published in Culture Wars. Uh, but the question comes down to, why did they do that? Well, he goes into an explanation. I'll give you the one-word explanation. It's because of the Holocaust. Because we had to, this is the, these are the quotes in there, the diary, you can read the quotes, but basically uh, we, meaning the church bureaucrats, had to take into account Jewish suffering. Well, they took it into account by abolishing the role of the Catholic Church, which is the vehicle of salvation, by uh, re re abolishing the idea that the uh, Mosaic Covenant was abolished, that it, it, it ceased to exist with the arrival of the church, actually when the veil of the temple was torn at the time of the crucifixion, and that it has been replaced by the Catholic Church as the people of God, as the new covenant. That is known as supersessionism and the overwhelming majority of who would I, church bureaucrats. It's a widespread heresy and has taken hold of the Catholic Church. And it all traces back to the same thing. They said it was the Holocaust. It's the Holocaust narrative that made the church or these people abandon what was 2,000 years of church teaching, put the church in a position where it cannot defend the moral, moral law or the social order against the main group throughout history which has been trying to undermine it, which is the Jews. That's the situation. If we can't connect the dots, we're not going to win this battle. And we have a moment of opportunity here, I think, where the discussion is now moving forward in a way that can lead to some type of resolution and some type of modus vivendi. That's my rant. Let's hear what you have to say. All right. Uh, hello there once again. Uh, this is Mike Bajakis, Dr. Jones' assistant. This is the call-in section of our show for you guys who are new. Um, uh, call-ins are made in our Telegram. The link will be in the description for everyone in the various platforms. Uh, we are going to call on those who raise their hand. And then uh, later in the stream, we'll read off texts uh, from Cozy, Telegram, Rumble, all that. There are no paid super chats required. Um, try to keep questions in subject. Try to keep to one question at a time. Uh, be respectful of time. 
And whatever you do, do not forget to unmute yourself. Okay, let us jump to Telegram over here. Let's see, who's first? Uh, Andrew Horball. Go ahead, Andrew. Oh, good day, sir. Hello. Like I said, uh, I'm, like I said on X or Twitter, if your book was in a court of law before a jury, uh, the the Holocaust narrative would be found guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. That is for sure. And I'm only in the uh, third chapter now. When I first began to research uh, the Holocaust narrative, I mean, this was after it was brought to my attention that it was in question. And my first response was based on, it was like an immediate uh, response to propaganda. It was like, what are you talking about? The Holocaust ain't true. I automatically went to defend it and I never researched it. And then I thought, well, I started hearing this more and more. And I thought, well, there, there must be something behind it. So I, I went on uh, bid shoot and I found a video by an atheist Jew by name David Cole, who did a documentary uh, where he interviewed, uh, I think, the head of Auschwitz, and he himself found that there was many discrepancies with the whole Holocaust narrative. And so, right there, I thought, "Wow, man, an atheist Jew is saying there's so there's definitely must be something to it." Now, I noticed on his Wikipedia page that he later recanted and then started making Holocaust movies. So I don't know what that was all about. But my question is, I just noticed that the Torah Jews had posted a rebuke against the ADL, 300 rabbis uh, against them politicizing anti-Semitism. So my question is, do you think that they'll ever say anything against the Holocaust? The, well, I mean, the Holocaust is a theme. I'm saying it's, a, it's an idea. It's a theme that's wor uh, up for discussion. Okay, so you can't constantly promote it and then constantly tell people you can't talk about it. That's contradictory, and that's the contradictory situation that we're in right now. But, and we have that's what we have to break out of, because we have to have some type of, we have a situation right now where truth is the opinion of the powerful. That means you have no rights. You have no rights, because in a, a libel case, truth is an absolute defense. If you can't establish the truth, you have no rights. And that's precisely the purpose of this narrative, to deprive the overwhelming majority of people of any right of rebuttal, of any right to speak at all. That's, that's precisely the problem here. We cannot tolerate this anymore. And I think, that I'm, to be honest with you, I'm not surprised that the rabbis would come out and attack the ADL. The, Musk said it. The main source of anti-Semitism on the Internet is the ADL. They are the main cause of anti-Semitism. And basically, their behavior is so over the top. It's so out of line with what Americans are taught to believe uh, their country uh, stands for that there's going to be a reaction. And of course, it will come from, it should come from the Jews. It should have come a long time ago from the Jews because there's a, a fundamental principle here is that the, Bronstein, the uh, Trotsky makes the revolution, but the Bronsteins suffer. That was a quote out of the the Bolshevik era. Bronstein was uh, Trotsky's name. Okay, so you have this revolutionary fomenting all sorts of anger at this outrageous behavior, and the anger is looking for an outlet, and the, it'll be the first Jew you the, these people bump into. That's not right. That's not just. And I'm not. I, I'm not encouraging that at all. I'm encouraging some type of course correction here, where the Jews, as we just saw, are going to have to stand up and say, "Look, this is out of line. We dis We are not going to support the ADL." There's a large group of Jews out there who or feel this way. They're going to have to exert pressure on the ADL. Jonathan Greenblatt has to go. He's got to go. Okay, we cannot tolerate this anymore. If the Jews do not police their own operation, there's going to be a reaction. And all Jews were suffering, even the Jews that disagree with the ADL. So this is the, the my hope for this discussion, that it will open up, uh, uh, it will come bring this I, these theories to light, and we will have a peaceful resolution of this dangerous situation which will substantiate the fact that there is a rule of law in the United States, that it's not ruled by NGO, 
of these crazy front groups that people like Bernie Farber created in Canada. It's not ruled by NGO. It's rule, the rule of law. And there's no law in the United States of America that says an American can't criticize a Jew. And if the Jews don't like the criticism, they can rebut it. They have all these organs at their disposal. They have all of Hollywood, all of the mainstream media are all at their disposal, and they can rebut the charge. But don't don't think you can send people to jail. Don't think that you can ruin someone's livelihood and expect that there won't be a reaction. It's building right now. We can feel it. Well, thank you, sir, for bringing the discussion to the table. The book is excellent. Uh, so far, I'm looking forward to uh, reading the best. And we should be able, under our constitutional rights, to be able to talk about these things. Right. Like grown men. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. Thank you. All right. Uh, thank you, Andrew. Okay, let's see. Who do we go to next? Uh, ah, Brendan. Brendan Burke. Uh, go ahead, Brendan. Are you there, Brendan? Don't forget to unmute. Yes, yes, yes. They're really telegraphing this thing about, um, about, uh, white Christian nationalists, right? Very soon, and that's not gonna hold water because Jews are white. So basically what they're gonna say is white Christians are the problem. Don't you, don't you see that coming? First of all, uh, Jews are what they want to be. And if it's, uh, for, if it's there to their advantage to be white, they will be white. If it's not to their advantage, they will not be white. So the, I've already said, white is a category of the mind. It is not a category of reality. It gets applied for political purposes. That means you can use it and then throw it away uh, at, at will. So there's no point in talking about whether Jews are white. I went through this thing with uh, Jared Taylor. Jared Taylor created an organization called the American Renaissance, which was basically uh, allowed Jews to claim they were white because they could then uh, dominate the discussion on that side of the aisle. It's not a category of reality. There's no point in imposing it on a discussion that is fundamentally either ethnic or religious. One more question is, um, is a, a debate, a political debate about white nationalists. How come there can't be a political debate about Jewish internationalists? Because of Jewish privilege. This is, this is what, this is the whole point that we are contesting here. This is a group now that is clearly above the law, clearly above the law. And all you have to do is watch the most recent uh, <coughs> statement of um, state. I'm sorry, I'm getting I'm getting interference here. Mike, can you turn can you turn that off? So with the problem is uh, we're getting, uh, I, I'm referring to the most recent statement by Merrick Garland, another uh, a congressman took him to task for the way the uh, Justice Department is abusing its right and going after prosecuting uh, conservative Catholics, pro-life pro Catholics. And what does he do? He burst, he almost burst into tears and say, how can you accuse me of this? I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. Well, we have to put an end to this. This is not an argument. This is an expression of Jewish privilege. This is not a way. What we're saying here is he's, he's using this Holocaust as an excuse to dis, distract everyone from the fact that he is not doing his job as attorney general. So stop whining about your relatives and start get, either do your job or quit. That's, that's the issue. All right, uh, thank you there, Brendan. Uh, we had to shut you off there early because you had some background noise. Um, anyway, all right, let's. There's uh, some people are not raising their hand today for some reason. So can someone, anyone have a question on Telegram? There, we, there we are. Okay, good. Here we are, uh, Jakey. I think I saw you first. Uh, go ahead, Jakey. You there, Jakey? Don't forget to unmute. Sorry, sorry, guys. Hope you're well. Um, what do you think Jews, the Jewish moral compass is at the moment? I'm sorry, say that again. The Jewish moral compass, what? What do you think the Jewish moral compass is? Is it good for the Jews? 
I think that's the closest we come to some type of criterion about how to act. Is it good for the Jews? Mm -hmm. uh, I'm not making this up. It's, you know, you read the Jewish revolutionary spirit, you'll see the sources for this. But basically, I think that it's kind of uh, ethnic advantage. They know that if they are a cohesive ethnic group uh, in control, that they will all benefit from them. And so I think that's the ultimate criterion of what's, what's good and what's not good. Mm -hmm. It's pretty that nobody else sees that, that there's no other compass in that. It's, it's purely self-interest, isn't it? No, no, wait a minute. Now, I, these Jews are human beings. And the human being, yeah. because he has a rational soul, has the moral law engraved on his heart. And there's nothing he can do about that. The problem comes uh, when the Jew lives in violation of Logos, which is what the Jewish revolutionary spirit is, and he incurs guilt and now uh, just has no way of expiating guilt because there's no temple sacrifice. So then what happens? Well, then what happens is you project the guilt onto other people. So that is, that's a problem. The fact that they, they have this moral law written on their heart causes them guilt. And then when they have guilt, then they start blaming other people. And so what you're seeing here is no matter what you, whenever you accuse a Jew, you accuse Merrick Garland of malfeasance in office, of not doing his job, he will immediately invoke the Holocaust and say, uh, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. So your question is out of line. This is exactly, I mean, I've already told you about the article with Anthony Blinken. Uh, his stepfather taught him how to invoke the Holocaust as a way of short, shutting down any type of argument. Even to the point, it's in, it's in Pizar's uh, memoir, where he, he wins at ping pong because he shows the Auschwitz tattoo. I'm not making this up. It's in the, it's in the book. He would roll up his sleeve at a moment's notice as a way of getting his way because he knew that the Holocaust narrative trumped every other narrative. Thanks, Dr. Jones. All right, thanks, Jakey. Uh, let's go to Glenn Muse. Glenn, Glenn, go ahead. Are you there, uh, are you there Glenn? Yeah, can you hear me now? I can. Yeah. You can, okay. Uh, thank you for your response to my short letter concerning uh, Canada, Cape Breton, in particular, the Acadian people, uh, which I'm one. Um, we've been lost in the discourse here in Canada. We've been buried by uh, numerous uh, events that have been piled up. You mentioned one, which is the truckers' convoy. Uh, I was one of the people that had their account locked down because I contributed to, the, uh, to this group. But now, uh, I'm here on this little island, and it's like being trapped in a box. Uh, the, 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 the media laws, the censorship, it's getting so embroiled into the, to, to the system that you can't break out of it. And we have no, no news here other than going out and, and on a VPN to try to get it. And we have a, a phony conservative government or a liberal government, which is now being challenged by a phony conservative government and uh uh and the front bench we have this woman named laxman she's right next to the pierre poliev the leader of the conservatives and she's holding that uh jewish flag up as high as she can and uh it's starting to cause ripples here in the society but not to our benefit Wait a minute. Did, did, was your was your account restored? Did you, did you get access to your uh, banking account again? Not for a week. Okay. And, and then there was then there was security measures that are now implemented. I opened a different bank account in my local credit union, uh, which I'm trying to seed right now, and it's difficult. And no, then, I'm, I'm not a rich. I don't have my, I don't have any money. I'm only a pensioner, but still. I'm trying to start a small business here, and these same people we're talking about have been trying to cripple me for the past uh, uh, six months. I right. had to take the whole city council, Mike, up on charges for uh, for uh, denying me public transit. I'm for 16 months now, banned from local transit because they made a story up. This is outrageous. And, and this is outrageous. This is outrageous tyranny. Thank you for sharing that story. This is outrageous. This is the good thing about this book. 
that uh, Saad and Hadigan came out with is because basically they named the guy who's responsible. The guy who runs Canada's Bernie Farber. This proof, oh, yeah. he, he, he had, he was the one, there, there are two, two innocent victims here. One was a, a, um, um, a veteran by the name of Mackenzie. He was railroaded by, by, uh, by these, by this NGO, the Canada, Canadian, the Canadians against hate on the internet. And the, the law enforcement accepted everything that this phony NGO said at face value, ruined this guy's life. This is it's outrageous. It's not over yet. And with me, Michael, I'm telling you right now, I've been persecuted here since 1995. I came out after I closed my business in 1994 and I ran for mayor to try to stop the Agenda 2130 thing that was happening here, regionalizing everything. Within two weeks into the election, after mopping the floor with all of the opponents uh, that were hand-picked liberals, uh, they picked me up, the RCMP put me in jail incognito. I'm the only man in Canadian history to run on the ballot from a jail cell. And it continues today. I just went down and launched a lawsuit today against a housing program that had been taking away the subsidized rent that uh, I was due because I was injured in the coal mine and uh, the, the housing that I created actually, well, I was part of it and uh, they took away my rent subsidy. I have to sue them for 25K. That's what they did over 17 this years. Is, I'm this is here. absolutely a an absolutely tyrannical government is what's doing this to you. The good thing oh about this, yes. the, 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 the good thing about the article is that it puts a face on the man behind the curtain. Because it doesn't matter whether you're, whether you're liberal or conservative. Anyway, uh, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling. All right, um, let's uh, let's go next to uh, Sports Groiper. Uh, go ahead, Sports Groiper. Hi, can you hear me? I can. All right. Um, first, uh, I just want to say thank you for the book. I appreciate you signing it. Um, I am enjoying it so far. Um, my question is, and I apologize if this might be a silly question, but there's like so much I'm still like learning every day about like World War II and everything going on. But what was the Soviet motivation for like kind of corroborating the Holocaust narrative? Like, was it just to like continue to kick Germany while they were down or, or what would your answer to that be? Guilt, guilt, same motivation that the Amer the allies, the Americans had. They were, uh, they were all involved in war crimes. The way the, the uh, Soviet army uh, raped its way through uh, places like East Prussia was scandalous. It was led on, uh, egged on by some, uh, Jew, the Jew, Ilya Ehrenberg, told them to rape and kill German women. And they had this guilt they carried with them all the way to Auschwitz. And so they had every bit as much motivation to, 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 to demonize the German people as uh, Eisenhower did because of the Rheinwiesenlager, as Churchill did because of the saturation bombing campaign, and so on and so forth. So across the board, it was guilt. No difference between East and West. Uh, all right. Uh, thank you for your answer. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right. Let's go to, what's that? Cleo Pestana? Cello, Cello Pestana. Go ahead. Don't forget to unmute Cello. Are you there? Nope. All right. Maybe we'll come back around you. Um, let's go to, where was it? Uh, Alex. Uh, go ahead, Alex. Hey, good evening, Dr. Jones. Good evening. Congratulations on the book. I'm looking forward to receiving my copy. Um, having said that, um, does your friend Charles, does he plan to um, have a discussion with you about the book? Good question. Good question. The question, uh, the question I'm mulling over in my mind is whether it's worth, uh, it's whether it's worth talking to Charles Moskowitz. Uh, I've had many conversations with him and over this period of time, I think he's shown 
that he's not interested in the truth. Can I talk to someone who is not interested in the truth? That's a serious question. Uh, uh, we had this something similar in South Bend, Indiana. You have the basically the takeover of public libraries throughout the United States, but South Bend's no example. Then uh, uh, the library will hold meetings uh, to hear what people want, but the meetings are invariably run by lesbians. They show up in force. And they demand that they have things like drag queen story hour and so on and so forth. The question is, is it, can you go, can you discuss uh, things with a lesbian? Can you discuss, I'm not saying Charles Moskowitz is a lesbian. Okay, let's get that straight. Uh, but can you discuss something rationally with someone whose life is based on rebellion against the order created by God? And I don't think the answer is true. So I think uh, there are certain consideration has to be taken into account is 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 there is this point is this a pointless exercise that's the that's what's crossed my mind in this regard thank you dr jones have a good evening you're welcome all right uh, let's do uh we're gonna do one more question here and then we're gonna jump to the various chats so you guys can start um uh posting your questions now okay up next last caller of the night uh, martin uh one sec Go, go ahead, Martin. If you got to unmute, don't forget to unmute. Yeah. Doctor? Yes. yes. Uh, very brief. It, it, there was a lady in the, in the chat and uh, in Telegram that they mentioned the possibility uh, for you to have a, a, a talk with uh, David Irving, in, uh, which, uh, you know, he went to a trial uh, thanks to Deborah Lipstick or lips, whatever, uh, the, the lady that you mentioned that invented the term uh, Holocaust denier. Yes. And well, he went to a trial and he lost everything. He, he uh, horrible uh, story, uh, but he's alive. He, he's a great historian. And I don't know, perhaps making some kind of a, a crusade about this item that you have with your new book that uh, we're going to buy immediately. Um, for I, I mean, I, I'm not telling you to go running to uh, Louisiana to have a chat with uh, David uh, uh, Duke because I don't know, perhaps that's not a good idea. But uh, there are many people that uh, follow that path about the, Holo the Holocaust narrative. That's my question. Yeah, well, it'd be an honor to talk to David Irving. He's a great uh, historian. I met him once, he came to Chicago. Uh, he was uh, hiding out, basically. He got to rent a hotel room. Uh, you got to have to have kind of like a secret handshake to get into the hotel room because he had been so... Uh, de he was public enemy number one for a while, certainly uh, according to Debbie Lipstadt. Um, no one should have the power to do that. This is an injustice. Uh, I don't know whether David uh, Irving is a religious man. I don't, th I don't suspect that he is. Uh, if he were, he would know that suffering always has a purpose. If he's not, well, then, you know, it's a shame that he had to put up with this. But no one should have the right to do this. No one should have the right to destroy a man's ability to earn a livelihood simply because some powerful Jew with a lot of money behind him doesn't like what he said. This is the fundamental issue. We have to come to a resolution now of this issue. We can't go any further anymore because if we can't count on that, we don't have the rule of law. We don't have a government. You have a, a tyranny, a total tyrannical uh, 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 regime of the sort that Jesus heard about in Canada uh, uh, where uh, we, have, we have no rights, not even the right to our own, your own bank account if you live in Canada, evidently. This is so, it, it, you know, David Irving is a premier historian, you know, of World War II. Uh, he shouldn't have been punished this way. And if he wants to talk, I'd be happy to talk with him. Okay. Well, oh, there. Oh, we went. Sorry about that. Okay, uh, let's jump to uh, questions right now. Let's go to um, where was it? Which one was it? Um, oh, uh, the, yeah, okay. Cozy uh, from Veritosity asks, um, any fears they will try to destroy you like they did David Irving? 
Oh, I'm already dead. You can't be deader than dead. And uh, so they called me, you know, they called me a lot of names. Uh, it didn't work. The narrative has shifted in the other direction. No, I, I'm, I'm not worried. But let me, let me, let me talk about it. I asked if David Irving was a religious guy. I don't know, but I'm a religious guy. And I was at uh, Mass on the Feast of the Assumption. And uh, the gospel there talks about uh, the womb, the womb. Uh, Mary comes to Elizabeth. Elizabeth says the child leapt in her womb. That child is John the Baptist. And I had a sense at Mass that I was in the womb of Holy Mother Church and that I have been protected in ways that people who are not in that womb are not protected. That was the sense I had just by the grace of God. And I, that's why I encourage you to uh, go to join, to board the bark of the church, which is the vehicle of salvation, because you will have protection against these wicked men that you would not otherwise have. All right, uh, from Odyssey, we got from Lone Ranger. Uh, Dr. Jones, um, uh, uh, is Mexico an ex-Catholic nation as they are about to get a Jewish uh, president? No, uh, Mex you have to make a distinction between the government and the ruling class elite and the people. The people, the, and Mexico is the cosmic um, nation. It's the cosmic people. This was a, a, a nation created by Our Lady of Guadalupe, uh, which is a historical fact, an apparition as the creating act of your country. Uh, she appeared to the Juan Diego as a mestiza. No, that's going to be a Catholic country, no matter well, who's in charge. And the tragedy of Mexico is that the Masonic revolutionaries took over the country and they still retain power there. So you've got this classic dual, uh, you know, two-tier country where the rulers are rabid anti-Catholics oppressing the Catholic population. Uh, that's the tragedy of Mexico. Uh, question from uh, Woke Guard on Cozy. Uh, Dr. Jones, what are your thoughts on Douglas McGregor? He echoes many of your points without actually naming the Jew. Yes. I, I said this, uh, mentioned him recently uh, with regard to that uh, uh, editorial that David Ignatius wrote about telling Biden not to run uh, because uh, Colonel McGregor and I grew up in Philadelphia uh, he went to Penn Charter, which is the elite WASP school in Philadelphia. You don't get much eliter than Penn Charter. And uh, I went to LaSalle College High School, which is the Catholic elite school in Philadelphia. And Benjamin Netanyahu went to Cheltenham High School, which is uh, just on the other side, outside of Philadelphia. It's a public school, but it was mostly Jewish. This is the dynamic of American political life. It's Protestants, Catholics, and Jews. And I'm saying that when Tucker Carlson interviews Colonel McGregor, you're hearing the WASP ruling class talking to each other. Tucker Carlson's father was in the CIA. Tucker Carlson's an Episcopalian. I assume that uh, Colonel McGregor, if he has a religion, it would be Episcopalianism. Uh, this, this is the dynamic of American life, and any institution, government institution, is going to mirror this ethnic makeup. And I'm saying that right now we have a moment where I think that the, the old WASP ruling class elite, and I think this McGregor and Carlson and people like that speak for that group of people, um, are unhappy. And they're watching their country if they, they have more of a claim to it than I do as a Catholic because we were always kind of out in the cold. Uh, their country is going being ruined by these Jewish revolutionaries who think they can end every argument by saying that uh, I have relatives who died in the Holocaust. I have chided both McGregor and Carlson for their kind of wasp etiquette uh, because polite people don't say the word Jew. And you know that Episcopalians pride themselves on their politeness and always using the right fork when they eat a salad. Uh, but the times are dire now, and we're going to have to stop using this fiction called neoconservative 
Colonel McGregor said the neoconservatives came from Russia. What are you talking about? Neokonskis? No, they were Jews. He knows that. Tucker Carlson knows that. We have to spe start speaking openly about this. This was the problem with Josh Hawley when he uh, confronted Merrick Garland. He said, well, you're persecuting Catholics. Well, he never told who, well, who are you? Who's Merrick Garland? Well, Merrick Garland solved that problem for us because he just announced he had relatives who died in the Holocaust. So it's out in the open now. And if we don't start talking this way and start saying, well, we agree with the 400 rabbis, you know, these Jews have gone too far. Someone's got to rein in these crazy men before they drive the car over the cliff, which is exactly what's happening now in the Ukraine. It's time to step up to the plate and start using the right terminology. I said before, this, there's precedent for this. It's exactly analogous to the situation after World War II when the Jew Morgenthau, the Jude Morgenthau, Will ganz Deutschland in ein Kartoffelfeld verwandeln. That was what Goebbels said. The Jew Morgenthau is going to turn all of Germany into a potato patch. And the, the adults in the room, the, the wasp elite of that time, people like Stimson, people like Patton, I don't know whether he was a church-going man or not, but he was part of that elite. Uh, people like Herber, Herbert Hoover, the great hero, of World War II, in my opinion, because he turned the tide against Semitic vengeance. That was the term that Hoover used. That was the term that Patton used. And that's the term we're going to have to bring out now. We cannot allow this group of people, this small group of people, to wreck our country because of Semitic vengeance. That's exactly what's going on in the Ukraine. This is not political. When it was the Soviet Union, the Catholics were against uh, the, the Soviet Union because it was communist. When the Soviet Union fell apart, well, that's the end of that argument. There's no more political argument here. It is a purely ethnic animosity argument now, and that should not determine America's foreign policy. Okay, from a user on Cozy, uh, Dr. Jones, uh, if Paul VI said the smoke of Satan was in the church... Uh, where are we today? Uh, we're all wearing gas masks. No, I... Um, <laughs> nothing... Look, let's get to the heart of the matter. What is the crux of the problem? The crux is that large numbers of people in the Catholic Church in positions of power feel that the Mosaic Covenant is eternally valid. That is a direct contradiction of the Catholic faith. That is a direct contradiction of what Peter said when he went to Jerusalem. He said, you killed Christ to the Jews. They were cut to the heart. And then they said, what must we do to be saved? And he said, you must be baptized. That is the teaching of the Catholic Church. There is no dual covenant way to salvation. It's not like going to Chicago. You can go on the toll road or you can take 94 and you get to Chicago. No, that's not what we're talking about here. There is one way to salvation, and that is the Catholic Church as established by Jesus Christ. And the, the ticket for entry into that salvation, that way to salvation, is baptism. There's no other way. Bishop Barron should have said that to Ben Shapiro, but he didn't. That's what we have to get back to. That is the fundamental crisis in the Catholic Church. That's what has to be resolved. And it can only be resolved by a, a, an examination of the Holocaust narrative that made that preposterous denial of Catholic teaching possible. Uh, from Jakey on Cozy. Uh, hi, Dr. Jones. What do you think of Daily Mail scathing headline about Merrick Garland bringing up his Jewish history? Well, you know, I guess it fits in. Uh, look, this substantiates my, my claim, all right? My claim is that there's a civil war in the deep state and the WASP elite have had it with the Jews. <clears throat> the Daily Mail is MI5. There is absolutely no question that the Daily Mail is the propaganda ministry for uh, Great Britain every bit as much as the Washington Post and David Ignatius is the propaganda ministry for the CIA. What Time Magazine used to be, the propaganda ministry. What this indicates to me is that there is 
uh, a civil war brewing in the English intelligence establishment every bit as much as there is in the American intelligence establishment. That's my reading of that, uh, the fact that they ran that, uh, that article, uh, that, that uh, ran the article about Merrick Garland. Uh, from Kingfish AF, uh, Dr. Jones, have you heard of the popular anti-Semitic internet slang goyslop referring to American junk food? And is there some American what? Referring American junk food. And is there some relation between American junk food and the Jews? Or goyslop, as it's called. This is a... <laughs> This is a question I am not prepared to answer. Right. Okay. Got yeah. trumped. Got trumped by the goyce. <laughs> let, right. let, me, let me think. Let me put, let me think about junk food for a while before I answer that question. There we are. All right. For, oh, that's this, this one's, oh, I lost it. Hold on. Where is it? This one. All right. Uh, another one from Cozy was Blias Pascal 74. Uh, Dr. Jones, do you consider that the Holocaust narrative displaces the Antichrist nature of Nazism? Well, yeah. I mean, the Holocaust narrative makes use of the Nazism. Uh, it, 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 it displaces, obviously, we didn't need to displace the narrative of Nazism. We need, the, the Jews needed to preserve it. That's what the Holocaust narrative does. It preserves the legacy of Nazism and basically claims that anyone who disagrees with the ADL is a Nazi. That's the whole point of the Holocaust narrative. If you want to know what displaced, uh, read uh, the chapter on Elie Wiesel uh, when he says God died at Auschwitz. It displaces the Catholic narrative. The Catholic narrative was in place before the Jewish narrative. According to the Catholic narrative, uh, Dachau was the paradigmatic concentration camp. After A.B. Wiesel's book, Auschwitz displaces Dachau as the paradigmatic uh, uh, concentration camp. The message of Pat, uh, Father Lenz's book, Christus in Dachau, is that suffering has a purpose and we had to expiate the sin of atheism. The message of uh, A.B. Wiesel, which uh, hijacked that narrative, is basically uh, God died in Auschwitz. It's propaganda for atheism. We have to bring this out now. And if, if what you, all of you parents there, I'm, I'm beyond this now. I have grandchildren who are going to be going to high school. But you parents, when you go to your Catholic high school and you see that uh, a, uh, night is on the reading list, you need to step up and say, look, I don't want my child reading propaganda for atheism. That is the whole point of night. I don't want my kid to become an atheist. And so therefore, take it off the list. If you want to do a book that's compatible with your mission as a Catholic high school, read Christus in Dachau. There's a new English translation out from the Sophia Press. You can order that book and replace uh, Ailey Wiesel's Night. That, I, I think, I'm giving the Catholic parents their marching orders now. That is something, a concrete step that every Catholic parent who has a child in high school should take. All right, uh, six o'clock, Doc. Want to do one or two more? Or? Yes. All right. Uh, from Cozy, Hate for the Left asks, uh, what is the term Judeo-Christian and why do Jews invoke it? I don't use that term. If I used it in the past, I am going to say, I'm sorry, mea culpa, okay? Uh, it is a term that came into existence in places like America. I think it's an American term. It's a conservative term. It's a term that the Jews used when they were out of power to basically blur the distinction between their minority and the overwhelming majority. Uh, it is, it, when you come down to any fundamental issue, it, it just doesn't apply. So let's take them, one of the most fundamental issues, the Ten Commandments. Is that Judeo-Christian? Well, both Christians Christians accept the Ten Commandments as normative, as the Word of God. The question is, do Jews accept it? And this is the big question, okay, that puts the whole concept of Judeo-Christian uh, under the microscope. Uh, if abortion is a fundamental Jewish value, can there be something called Judeo, uh, a Judeo-Christian attitude? I don't think so. 
And then you're just going to go, go down the line after that. What are all the crusades that the Jews have been promoting uh, for years now, including uh, Drag Queen Story Hour? Read the article in upcoming article in Culture Wars where I talk about the Jewish roots of Drag Queen Story Hour. Gay marriage, abortion, pornography. What does this say about the term Judeo-Christian? What it says is that the Jews don't worship Yahweh. And if they don't worship Yahweh, they're not following the Ten Commandments. And if they're not following the Ten Commandments, what is the basis of this claim that there's something called Judeo-Christianity? doesn't exist. Okay, one more. Keep going. One more. One more. All right. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, from Odyssey, the Scrum Den with Neil McDowell. Um, any comments uh, on the letters this week from Cardinal Mueller or Bishop Strickland? been paying attention to that uh, battle going on this week. I can't comment because I haven't read the letters. All right, let's uh, let's, let's get one one here. Um, let's see. I guess this yeah, this one's right here. So uh, from uh, Jammers seventy seven. Do you think Nazism and Catholicism are in any way compatible? No. No. They're two competing religions. They're, they're each one demands a kind of total ascent they are not compatible all right well there you are guys thanks again uh this was emj live for you guys who don't know it's every friday at five subscribe to culture wars magazine uh at culturewars.com uh follow us on cozy telegram rumble all that stuff if you're not already are and then the holocaust narrative is at fidelitypress.org only place you can get it uh, amazon has banned us everyone else has banned us fidelitypress.org Holocaust narrative available now. And a really quick last now announcement. Um, la last week, uh, the video uh, for EMG Live 41 had some delays on BitChute because BitChute was acting weird. Some people were asking about that. I was able to get it up today. So that episode has gotten up today and it looks like BitChute is working once again. So uh, any last words, Dr. Jones? Thank you. Thank you for, and I just ask you for your patience uh, to, uh, uh, as we get, we're working round the clock to get the books out. So your book, your order will be fulfilled just as soon as possible. Thanks, guys. You'll have a good one. See you next week.